Easter. Does Easter give us a hope that maybe possibly we could find some glory in our life? We need it. I had a friend recently die, and it was sad. Death is always sad. I think the saddest thing about my friend was that I think maybe he he understood Jesus, but I'm not totally exactly sure. Here's what I know, though. I know that he died sad, and I know that he died lonely, and I know that he died alone. Bothers me. Came back from spring break, great tan, feeling like things were good in life. Didn't even get home to my house to find out that my friend's dead. And I knew Easter was coming up, right? We got this, like the Super Bowl for Christians, right? Maybe we should sell commercials in between the sermons, Josh. And I was just getting my mind around, like, is there something in Easter that if my friend would have known that maybe it could have, it could have begun to shift his understanding and shift his, his emotions and shift his reality? But here's the... The sad truth is I don't have a chance to talk to my friend tonight, but I get a chance to talk to you. And my friend doesn't have an opportunity anymore to make decisions about today, but you do. So let's go on a journey tonight. Glorious. Are we glorious? I mean, come on, Darren, let's be be honest. Glorious. Let's look at the definition, see if it might help us out. Glorious. Having worthy, having, or being worthy of, or bringing fame or admiration. Having worth. Having a striking beauty or splendor that evokes feelings of delighted admiration. All right, Darren, now that we've looked at the definition, I'm sure I'm not glorious. I don't know how much worth I have. I don't know what I've done in the past year, month, or my life that that really evoked feelings of delighted admiration from anybody. I'm not glorious, I'm just normal. And glory is a word we usually reserve for God and for good reason, because God is glorious. And the glory of God is something that we can't even fathom. In fact, here's what's crazy is throughout the entire Bible, anytime a human being actually comes in contact with or in the presence of the glory of God, it's a terrifying experience. Like human beings can't even stand in the glory of God. And we go all the way back and like we, well, there's a situation like when Moses, whenever he would meet with God, like the crazy part would be he would be in the presence of God. And when he got done in the presence of the glorious God, the, the, his, his, Moses' face would actually like glow. It would radiate with God's glory. And so what they would do back then is they would actually cover Moses' face with a veil. For one, because people would be freaked out. But for two, they didn't want people to see as the radiance, as the radiance of God's glory began to fade off of Moses' face. And then like there's the prophet Isaiah, right? He was one time going to the temple and God's glory and his presence filled the temple. And in that moment, Isaiah was like, I'm done. Like I'm going to die because I've seen the glory of God. There's a cool moment in Jesus's life that, that just happened this week. And on Thursday, when he got arrested, right, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and these Roman soldiers come up and they say, say hey, we're, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. 
And what he was doing in that is when he said, I am, he was actually going back to the name that God had given Moses. And in that moment, what Jesus kind of did is he kind of just pulled the veil back and allowed just a little bit of his glory to be seen in that moment. You know what happened to the entire regiment of Roman soldiers? They collapsed on the ground. Like God is glorious. But if there's not some type of his glory in you, why in the world is there Easter? Like, just think about that for a minute. If there's not something of glory in your life as a created human being made in the image of God, brought to life by the very spirit of God, invited by God and originally designed by God to join him, to walk with him, to be in relationship with him for forever, if that's not in your original understanding of who you are as a human being, then why is there Easter? Like if, if God saw you the way you see you, there would be no Easter, honestly, correct? Like if God is God and glorious and holy and powerful and all-knowing and eternal and all the things we know about God and you are you, why in the world would God leave perfection of heaven, all of his glory and power and honor and everything that goes on in heaven? Why would he leave that? Why would he send his son to come and actually walk with us, teach with us, be betrayed by us, be spit in the face and, and, and brutally beaten and crucified? If he saw you how you see you. But he doesn't. That's why there's an Easter. Because the word of God says it like this in John 3, 16 through 18. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when introduced to him. God so loved the world that he came to actually not just forgive us, but to restore us into our original glory and moving us into a place of understanding the restored glory that God has for you and me. Because I think one of our struggles is when we think about the cross, we think about Easter, is I think sometimes, maybe just me, I won't, I won't include you, you can, you can opt in if you want on this, is that we think that, that God's forgiveness of us was kind of like a reluctant forgiveness. Don't we? I do sometimes. Like that, that at Easter or a good Friday, it was like, God was like, man, I don't really want to like do this for them. And they don't deserve it at all. Have you been watching the, like humanity, right? But I guess because I said I would, we'll go ahead with this one. All right, son, go ahead and die, right? I mean, I don't know what we think about it, but I don't think a lot of times we think that it was something what God was actually passionate about doing. 
Because he knew that in the process, he wasn't just there to forgive us, but in the process, he was there to actually restore the glory that he created us for in the first place. And if we don't get to the place of believing that there was an original glory in our created self as human beings, that God came to not just forgive, but to restore, we will begin living and continually live our lives so far below the opportunity that we have because of Easter. John Eldred says it like this. At Easter, what is being ransomed and restored is humanity. The offer of the gospel is, rest, is restoration. It's not just forgiveness. It's the restoration of that originally glorious creation in the garden. That is the offer. We aren't just pardoned. We are restored. That's good news. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says this, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. You are Immortal. You are an immortal being that will live forever, created in the image of God. Now, here's the struggle. Sin separated us from God and marred the original design, the original understanding that our life would reflect the glory and the character, the spirit of God. And at Easter, it's not God's just reluctant forgiveness of, okay, you're off the hook. You don't have to go to hell, which is positive, right? But the crazy, amazing, good story, good news, gospel of Easter is that you're forgiven and then you begin the process of being gradually restored day in and day out to reflect the glory of the God that created you. Listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But when a person changes... And follows the Lord, that covering is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And our faces then are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory. And we are being changed to be like Him. This change in us brings even greater glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Listen to it through the message paraphrase. It says it like this. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are face to face. Then suddenly, they suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we're transfigured much like the Messiah Jesus in our lives. Listen here, listen there. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Happy Easter. But here's what I'm beginning to realize about me, and I don't know about you. See if you can relate. Most days, most weeks, sometimes there's even been 
years when I don't wake up every day with the expectation and the intention of becoming more and more like God. Because usually I spend a lot of times looking at myself and not looking at him. See, if I don't expect or I don't even know that it's possible for God's glory to be reflected through my life, here's what I'll settle for. I'll settle for my glory, which means most of my days are caught up in what I'm doing and what I can accomplish and what you think about me and how I'm being reflected to this world. That's why we have selfies with filters, right? That's basically what we're doing all day long through social media. And I'm not banging on social media. I'm just saying that's what we're doing. And you have some friends, right, that, that, that they really, really love to post about things. You got any things, friends? Right? Where it's like, dude, I know you have a car. Like, I get it. You got a boat, right? You have a nice house. Or whatever it is. You have some things, friends, in their glory, for them, what they're just hoping is that their stuff will reflect to the world, I'm successful. And eventually, that gets empty because you weren't created and placed on earth to reflect the glory of things. For some people, it's, it's, it's good times, it's pleasure. Right? They're always posting about something fun they're doing, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll listen, I'll throw myself under the bus. I do that. If you look at my social media, it's like boring, boring, boring. And then I do something fun and I post like 16 things. And then it's another like six months and it's like, is he still alive? Because for me, right, I want to reflect the glory of the good stuff and fun stuff that I get to do. Here's the deal though I wasn't put on earth and neither were you for pleasure. See, the power of Easter is God saying, here's the deal. Not only are you forgiven, but now we're starting the process of gradually restoring you to become what you were created to be, a reflection of my heart, my love, my character, that your life would begin to reflect the peace, patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, self-control, forgiveness, all of the things of the character of God, that that is what your life would reflect. And when people see your life, what would happen is they would be inspired by the glory of God radiating through your life. But here's the struggle. It happens really gradually. And then sometimes our life kind of looks like a, a, a bad episode of Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. You ever you guys like Chip Fixer Upper? Great show, right? Well, we, what we miss in, in, in Fixer Upper is that we watch the show for 28 minutes or however long it's on, right? They get a house, they buy the house. It's terrible. Oh my gosh, we've got termites and it's all dramatic, right? And then they fix it up and before you know it, like it's great and they sell it for $100,000 and it's like, oh, it was wonderful in 28 minutes. And then you look at your life and your proverbial house that you bought called your life and your relationships, it's like, it's a mess and you've got termites in your relationship with your parents and your marriage has got some kind of mold happening in it. You're not sure what's going on. And like you've managed, you know, over the past like 10 years, 
years of following Jesus, you've got like the downstairs bathroom in your house remodeled, but the upstairs and the basement are still an absolute shambles mess. And you're like, I thought this was going to be like a 28-minute flip-flop thing and we sell it for profit. And it's in those moments that we can begin to lose hope. Lose hope and lose sight of the fact that you are not just forgiven if you're in a relationship with Jesus, but you're in the process of being gradually restored into the glory of God. And if that's not where you set your aim, and if that's not the trajectory of your prayers, and if that's not the way you're aligning your life, you may lose hope. You may settle for so much less than God put you on earth for. And that fight gets dicey. I spent some time this week, some folks, uh, never met this guy before. We're at an event this week. <clears throat> And uh, off the bat, very vivacious, great, just excited kind of guy. I'm like, this guy's life at the party kind of guy. We hung out for a couple hours, and then he, um, he said, man, Darren, he said, uh, spent a lot, a, lot, a lot of time on Monday looking at telephone poles. I didn't know what he did as a career. I thought maybe he worked for the telephone company. I didn't know. So we... Why well, you spend a lot of time on money looking at telephone poles? You do, are you, do you work for an electric company or telephone company? Or? He said, no. Things have gotten pretty bad. And uh, I spent a lot of time on money looking at telephone poles because I was thinking about harming myself. And this was a guy who understood faith if he was sitting right here, he would say, I totally believe the Easter message. But he had gotten to the place of looking around at the struggle in his life where he had lost hope that this was a process of gradually, day by day, step by step, being transformed to the image of Christ. And because in that moment, he couldn't see it. He was thinking about giving up. If you're there today, let me say the same thing I said to him, to you. The fact that you're here right now and we're having this conversation together is an opportunity for you to choose life. It's an opportunity for you to once again to believe in what God can do in and through you in the process that he's taking you through. Because you are an immortal being created in the image of God. And he came to this earth and died for your sins and was brought back to life so he could begin the process of gradually restoring you to reflect his glory and his love. But it's a fight and it's not easy. And that's why I love that we have these kind of passages of scriptures. The one we just read tonight about this idea of going from glory to glory wasn't written by somebody who wouldn't understand that. Right? The Apostle Paul would have gotten it. 
He called himself the chief of sinners. In fact, he was responsible for trying to hunt down and kill and arrest Christians and shut down everything that Jesus was doing. And God so transformed his life and began the gradual process of revealing his glory in Paul that he could write words like this and say, hey guys, this is possible. God can actually take you from glory to glory to glory. Like, like you're not just like defeated, right? No, no, you're, you're, you can come, come back from that. You can be more than a conqueror. No, you're not just like forgiven, right? You're actually set free for freedom. You're not like rejected by God. You're restored by God. It comes with authority when he says that. And we keep moving. And we never give up. Because there will be a day when we will see him face to face. Which will be an amazing moment. And it is that hope of the process of gradually becoming like Christ until one day it's actually fulfilled. I love the way it puts it in Romans chapter 8. Listen to this passage of scripture. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God who revealed who his children will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son and his son would be the firstborn among among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standard, he gave them his glory. So what should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. How about that? How about the fact that God saved you, he redeemed you, and he now prays and intercedes for your gradual, glorious process. So if you're in a place thinking about giving up on yourself, I want you to know that tonight Jesus still hasn't given up for you. He's interceding and praying for you because he sees everything you could become. 
And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or below, indeed nothing in all of creation will able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm. That's good news. You see, friends, there's going to be a day when this process of becoming gradually glorious glorious, will be completed. The greatest restoration process the world has ever known will be complete, and you will stand face-to-face with God. And in that moment, you will see his glory. And we can look through scriptures all over the place in the Bible where where, where people were given a a glimpse. In the book of Revelation, we have it, right? Where John was given this glimpse of the throne room of God that was full of his glory. And there were all the the elders and the people around. And all day long, they just nailed down, kneeled down before him and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they gave him glory and praise all day, every day for eternity. And what's crazy is someday you will step from this life into the next and it will be either the most amazing, powerful, glorious fulfillment of every faith and hope and day of life in Christ you've ever had. And you will fall at his feet and you will worship him. And it won't be a terrifying, you know, know, fear-based thing. It will be an overwhelming time of joy where this process of becoming gradually glorious is restored. And if that's what you understand and you believe and you've walked in that, then Easter is a great day to be reminded of that in whatever stage and process you're in right now. But if you're here today and you've come because you're curious, You've come because the the process of kind of reflecting your own glory and living for yourself is becoming tiresome. And you're burdened. Maybe you're depressed. And you're here because you thought, maybe I'll try God. Here's what I want to say to you. It's that God has created you to reflect his image. He has forgiven you, and Easter tells us that he has now given you the opportunity to be restored day by day as you shine brighter and brighter and reflect the glory of his love, his character of his heart. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that tonight. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing my job or be faithful to this message. Would you just stand with me? See, one of the things that bothers me about my friend that passed is that I'm not totally sure what that moment was like for him. I'm not sure what the moment was like for him when, when, when he, he fell asleep on this side of eternity and stepped into that side of eternity. There's a big part of me that thinks that, that, that he understood God's love and that, that he had made peace with God and that he had accepted the forgiveness and love of Jesus, but I don't totally know, and it bothers me today. And one of the things that bothers me about is how many times I talked to him and, and, and maybe I wasn't clear enough or, or maybe I didn't put it out there because I didn't want to hurt his feelings or I didn't want to make it weird. And 
But here's what I know, is I'll never have an opportunity to share the gospel with him again. So like I said earlier, I'm gonna share it with you. You see, here's the deal. You will one day stand face to face with God. And if you're here today and you've never come to the place of saying, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I want your forgiveness. But more than that, God, I want to become who you created me to be. If there's a glory in me, if there's value, if there's worth in me that you see, Jesus, that that made Easter actually happen, help me to begin to see myself the way that you see me. And I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to start there, but I want a process of being restored, not just for myself, but for my kids and my wife and my family and my community and for you. Because what I don't want for you, I don't want you to step into the other side of eternity and have it be the most terrifying, fearful moment of your life where you stand face to face with the God who will say, I'm sorry, I, I never knew you. Because see, the crazy thing about God's love is this, is that he loves you so much that if you want nothing to do with him for your entire existence on earth, he'll allow you to make that decision and he won't force you to be in his presence for eternity. But you are an immortal being created to reflect the glory of God and I want you to do that from today and through forever. Pray with me. Jesus, I just pray for all of us here today. Father, I pray for those of us that that may have been following you for a while, but Father, we have lost hope in the process of gradually becoming glorious. We've forgotten, God, that, that that was even possible and we're just trying to make it through today. Maybe so I can pray for you. Maybe if you're here today and you say, you know what, Darren, I, I, I know the Jesus thing and I, I've, I've tried to follow him since I was a kid. But I'll be honest, I, I've lost sight of that. I've begun to lose hope into what I can become because I'm stuck right now. I'd like to pray for you specifically. If you're here and you say, you know what, Darren, I'm beginning to lose hope and, and, and I want to be restored to begin to believe again that there's a process of gradually becoming glorious in my life. Would you just slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. All right. Put your hands down. Maybe there's somebody today say, so you know what, Darren, I, 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 I know I came here for Easter for a reason, and, and I would like to actually begin that relationship with Jesus. If he actually sees that value in me and I can begin the process of stepping into that, that's what I want. I want to be forgiven and I want to be restored to become what God created me to be. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, just between you and me and God. If that's you today and you say, you know what, Darren, I want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Just throw your hand up high so I can see it right now. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Good. Good. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this Easter, for the reality of who you've created us to be, what you've invited us into and what you've made possible. I pray for for all of us in in whatever stage of this transformation process that we are, if we become depressed, if we become discouraged in that, that this Easter would remind us that you haven't given up on us. So there's no need to give up on ourselves. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.